Welcome to Essie's Hour of Love. Our final episode of season five. Yeah. Episode 50. 50. We made it. We made it. We made it. How many years later? Five. It felt unattainable. (laughs) It felt big <laughs> it feels big it feels huge yeah oh my congratulations really grace congrats to you as well Ed. this is cool this is cool couldn't have we've done it, it without you we've made episodes. it we've, mean, made, we've it. made it this We're is in. it we've made it stardom is here i wonder if we'll keep <laughs> delivering every number episode as 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 ex- like big <laughs> 51 i hope so anyway uh all right who have we got beth amadeo Grace she, has just realized that I we're boiling a cup of tea. I'm going to turn it off. Okay, it's fine. I mean, yeah. yeah, sure. Quick, turn that off. Although I was really looking forward to a tea. Uh, yes, Beth Armadeo. Oh but were you looking forward to a whistle in the middle of our No, show? I wasn't. Good point. <laughs> Beth Armadeo. Um, what a fantastic human being. She, we, I mean, I, I met her at work. We had spoken a handful of times. I'd known that she was recently married and we went through, I mean, beautiful wedding photos and she decided she put in her two weeks and told me she was leaving. And just in that very brief conversation of her saying she was leaving to go on a next adventure because she'd written a book, I, I had questioned, what's the book about? And I was hooked in a heartbeat because she said, oh, well, it's the evangelical cult sort of religion I was a part of for seven years of my life and am now out of, I wrote a story about that. And I was like, well, wait a second. (laughs) You need to come on the podcast. I know you texted me straight away. (laughs) Immediately. I got her phone number, email. I was like, this is happening. Do you know how I knew how sold you were on this uh, coming on the episode was when you were like, we might not even have to have a (laughs) pre-call. Which and you're like the queen of pre-calls. I was like, whoa! If Grace, Grace. is, we don't have to have a pre-call. This is insane. Are you okay, Grace? Crazy. Fantastic, though. Oh my gosh. Um, I do want to plug. She has a blog. She does a lot of writing outside of this book. She is currently trying to get the book um, sold and into stores, and and I'm really excited to read it eventually. And I, I was like, give me a pre-read. I'm in. Um, but you can check her out online at GloriaBethAmadeo.com. We'll also attach all of that stuff in the episode notes, but I mean, do, what are your, I mean, thoughts on it? Being- yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, let's go on this journey with us. And if your jaw drops a few times, so were ours. Uh, and, um, no, I'd really, it really you know, it just is a fascinating case study of human beings, oh, and yeah. um, and it it helps me understand the world, but it also c- makes the world even more confusing at the same time. Um, it's not as black and white as, of course, we'd like. yeah, that little greyness. Um, but what are you doing? Just on a side note, what are you doing for the holidays? Holidays, um, I I mean, I'm going out to my parents, so we spend a Long Island, Long Island. I'm gonna be out on the Long Island. Um, are you gonna miss me because I'm going away I'm, for a while? I'm so sad that you're leaving, and I'm not coming with you this time. I know she, you, Grace, nearly bought you. a ticket to Australia, but it's 
It's extremely expensive. It's a tad out of my budget. I would basically have to get rid of rent for a month. (laughs) I know. I don't. Yes, I understand completely. Uh, but just so you guys know, we we're probably going to take a few months off. Mm-hmm. And You're doing a lot of travel. I'm doing a lot of travel for work mm-hmm. with Wikipedia, and um, maybe she'll post about it on Instagram. <laughs> maybe you will see. And hold your breath. Uh, <laughs> and uh, but then we'll be we'll be back in a in a few months with a whole new season of figuring out what the hell is love <laughs> what is love what is love no clue <laughs> and of course um i kind of want to stop saying of course when i do this but like jimmy nancy and katie thank who help you. us put this together happy holidays guys thank you so much and um we're excited to jump into this next season i just realized we need to tell jimmy that this season's coming to an end might just be finding <laughs> this out through now. the intro <laughs> uh but also listeners Thanks for coming on this ride with us for the five seasons and um, just don't forget about us while we, while we go and have some holidays and we hope that you guys have a wonderful time as well. I mean, 2020, 2020, here we come. It's going to be intense. Oh, let's not go there. (laughs) It's going to be good. No matter what, it is going to be good. By the way, that's the psychic also said I was going to meet my my man. 2020 is the year? No, when I was 30, when I'm 32. So I'm 32 now. So this will be the year. This is. Obviously, if the psychic said this, it's it's happening. It's happening. So Uh, 2020 is going to be Essie falling in love. Yeah. Watch out. Yep. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. guys. Loving it. I've got my notes and I did a bit of research on evangelicals and and I'm like, but I swear there's like a hook that I'm like forgetting about with this story that when Grace called me up after she talked to you one day, mm-hmm. it was like, we've got to have her on the show. And I was like, is it something about like breaking up with God or, you know, and um, then Grace was like, no, there's a working title yeah. of your book. Mm-hmm. And what what is it? It's, it's- God, God's Ex-Girlfriend. God's ex-girlfriend and I was like yes I was like that's what was missing in my thought process of like I like preparing but I'd love I think to explain can we go back to like first off like childhood was religion any part of your childhood like what was that you know a part of how you were raised a little bit so I actually grew up Catholic and so we did go to Catholic church a lot growing up Um, and so we pretty much went every Sunday and, you know, my parents were very involved in the community. They ties to the Catholic church, all that stuff. And it was, you know, so, so, but it wasn't like a very, uh, it wasn't something that I felt completely engaged with because Catholicism is very, you know, there's like a pretty, uh, big gap between you as the believer and like the priest and everything like that. And there was a lot that wasn't accessible to me. I didn't really understand it. It was really boring. It wasn't yeah. fun. I just looked serious. Yeah, I think really, Catholic feels it's very, by yeah. the way, I was raised Catholic. Oh, so you were like, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like <laughs> very, I feel like strict. 
quite blah yeah. and hypocritical. Yeah, I found it painful because just like it's like I was kneeling for a long time and I was like, Daddy, my knees hurt. Like I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like or like going to children's church was really like I was like such a weird kid too in children's church. Uh I remember we're it was called actually CCD in Catholicism. I'm saying children's church because that's the evangelical terminology. But I was just so bored at CCD as a kid. And I decided one time that I was going to take my headband and put it over my eyes. I wanted to be like Jordy LaForge from Star Trek. Nice. And I was like, guys, I'm blind. And my CCD teachers were like, you are not blind. And I was like, this is my visor. Oh my and they goodness. were like, no, we don't even know what you're talking about. Clearly, none of them have watched Star Trek. They did not understand. And so they made me like take it off. And so I was just wreaking havoc in the CCD. I was drawing on the tables. I was walking the walls. And they had to let me wear my headband over my eyes after that because I was just going to cause too much cause too many issues and so yeah I would go into church and my they would be like everybody around my dad would be like why is your daughter wearing her headband over her eyes and he'd be like she thinks she's Jory LaForge from Star Trek <laughs> obviously like, so yeah it was incredibly boring like it was all just very I didn't feel engaged I didn't feel stimulated I didn't feel like there was anything for me there so I kind of like created things for myself so so yes yeah, so we did definitely grow up with religion in that sense but not really like we did Lent we did the motions of everything and my parents were like yeah we believe in God and my mother kind of you know had even more spiritualism spiritualism than my father I think in a lot of ways like my mother uh claimed that when she was little her brother had actually died when she was little and my my mother claimed that her she saw the spirit of her brother walk into the room her classroom when he did, when he died and stuff and so my mom has always really believed that there's an afterlife and that there's more and that there is a god and you know, she has like a very strong belief in that but it's not because of anything the catholic church gave her it's more just stuff that she life kind of, experiences life experiences yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so i definitely grew up in a home where like the spiritualism was spirituality was talked about my dad was like jesus was clearly very much a good man you know and like <laughs> all that stuff so so yeah so it was around but it was more it was more agnostic honestly than mm. what i came to believe later right like when i look back on it i'm like that was not not only was it not fundamentalist but it wasn't even that hardline catholic like yeah. it was actually very like you know religion light per se all right so then so you go to college mm -hmm. right and yeah. what what happens where was it one could we just what type of let's do the little high school personality jump to college like uh -huh. how you what were you in your final year of high school like do we good friends with people like were you the uh, I don't know. Were you in band? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely more of a band geek type person. Uh, I was not. Um, uh, I, I was actually more chorus. I was a theater kid uh, and I was the lead in all the school plays, but that didn't make me cool. <laughs> Definitely. But like, maybe with the theater kids, yeah, the crew. Yeah, like, yeah. the yeah. theater kids thought I was cool, but we were all such weirdos. And also my class, my graduating class was like 111 people. Like there wasn't that where, many Where are you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southridge, Massachusetts. Okay. So very small, weird town. I always uh, describe it to people that like, if you ever watch Par Parks and Rec, like Pawnee and Eagleton, like I was from Pawnee. And so like being like a theater kid in Pawnee, like 
you know, it's like I wasn't that high on any sort of totem pole. So I was definitely not very popular. I was also very straight edge. I didn't even know what the term straight edge was, but my, so, so also growing up, my mother had a pill addiction and I knew it. I was aware of it. I saw it. I saw the ramifications of it. And I was very, very, very afraid of ever being out of control interesting in way yeah. shape or form and so i in high school was very like strange i was like i'll never smoke i'll never drink i'll never do any of that i was like very purist i was like those things will not touch my body and i had some very good nerdy friends and one time my one of my best friends name was chris went to a party uh, where there was alcohol. It was a party the popular girl threw. And I was very anti the popular girls. Like everything in my mind in high school was very influenced by the Lord of the Rings. Like there were the orcs and Urukais, and then there were like the elves and the men and the right. dwarves. And it was like, I was on the side of the elves and the men, the dwarves, and everybody who smoked and drank in my mind was a freaking orc. And so like I saw them all like as like, I, I just saw alcohol and drugs and we everything is very evil. Like, and so anybody who partook in that was very evil to me. And then the fact that my best friend had like drank a beer at a popular girl's party. Whew, I was so angry. I was so militant. I was like practically a prohibitionist, like right. at that point in time, like with the way that I saw things and my fear of it all. Yeah. And so, yeah. So when I was in high school, when I graduated high school, I was very, uh, like very, 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 very purist. All yeah. right. So then where's, where did you decide to go to college? I went to college in New Jersey to a school called Fairleigh Dickinson University in Madison, New Jersey. And so, what sort of what's that known for? Is it like uh, a liberal so, arts? Yeah, it's a liberal arts school. And so the reason why I went there is because they told me that I could dual major in theater and creative writing. Yes. <laughs> Two completely useless things. I figured out how to put some use to them now, but they're, yeah, whatever. Uh, and so I decided to dual major in that. And they said I could also spend a semester in England and it would actually be a requirement for my theater major. Oh, so I yes. was like, oh my God. I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted. And they gave me like a scholarship and stuff like that and so yeah so that's why I went there so you rock up there uh-huh and it co I mean college is such a di especially in the American world is like time to ex you know experiment yeah. and you know drinking that party time uh -huh. it, depending who you are yeah, but like yeah. it's where it really kicks into gear yeah how so what was your college experience uh so I was terrified <laughs> of course like I walked into college and I was I was so excited to go and get out of my hometown and go see what else there was in the world but I was also just generally terrified of being like you know forced to join a sorority or something like that uh and so I actually I have a very distinct memory of freshman orientation uh a few of the like and the the people who are the staff members of freshman orientation were not uh they weren't teachers they were other students who were like you know a couple years older and they played a game of never have I ever with us oh Oh man. And one of them was like, never have I ever had sex with three people in a hot tub at the same time. Woo. Like while doing drugs. I almost lost my little mind. I was like, Oh no, I was so scared. I remember running down into like, like my, my parents were still there in the student center and I went to them and my parents were like, we are not going to put up with this. And so they took me to the office of student life. Oh my God. I was such a little narc. Like I went to the office of student life with my parents and there was a, a woman there who was like, like, like one of the staff members who was an actual like teacher. She was like, Oh, like we're, 
definitely not. We do not condone drinking and smoking on campus. No, 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 no. And all that behavior. We don't condone it. And then there was another girl in the room who was also like one of the like, you know, student staff members. And she overheard the conversation. And as my parents and I walked out, she took me into another room. She like ushered us into a room. She was like, come here, come here. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. And she was like, hey, so like just to let you know, you definitely don't have to smoke and drink here. I'm a part of a club called Campus Crusade for Christ. And we do not smoke and drink at all on campus. Like we have very wholesome, good fun. Um, you know, we're a Christian organization and we don't do anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and I feel so- like I'm on a scene of Pitch Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it actually happened. <laughs> okay. Wait, mm-hmm. what was it called? Campus Crusade for Christ. And it is now known as, uh, it's an international organization. Actually, they have chapters on different college campuses um, around the United States, probably abroad as well. Uh, but yeah, it's called Crew now because of the term uh, crusade being so controversial. Yeah, like I was in, about to say crusade, such a yeah, strong they word. Did, they didn't have a good rep for the name crusade and everything they, they want to, their, their main aim is to convert liberal college students. I also, by the way, even though I didn't smoke and drink, I was very liberal like i was Mm. all into gay rights i loved that like one campaign with bono and all of that stuff i was like all into that i remember going to a rally my freshman year of high school and i was like oh my god look at me like and so yeah so i loved all of those like liberal causes and everything like that and i i didn't i definitely did not believe i i had heard of the bible like like the evangelical reading of the bible uh, in terms of this idea that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you're going to hell. Like, and that's like a fundamentalist like uh, belief all around. I had heard of that, and I hardcore rejected that. Thought that that was ridiculous and stupid. But the way that this girl in the student center that day presented uh, her club to me yeah. was not. I didn't in a million years dream that it would be like an evangelical like club. I knew what that meant even then. Like. I didn't think that it would be like that. Well, that's not how line. she explained. I mean, it, no. evangelical wasn't mentioned in the. No, and she never would have used that word with me at that stage ever, 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 ever. Um, so, yeah. So basically, I heard about this club. Here's my only prospect now at having a friend who does not smoke and drink and will not make me do the scary sex things that yeah, this, this person is your. Said. She's just offered you a safety zone. Yeah, she just offered me a safety zone. And I was very interested in what that would, you know, do for me. And if I could make it, I was just so afraid of not being able to make friends who didn't do that stuff. Yeah. Like, it was just, I was just so afraid of it. Like, and so, Yeah. So she was, she was a real quote unquote godsend for me in that moment. I was right for the picking. Right. It's funny that your parents were there (laughs) during, during the, uh, right. (laughs) What did they think? Oh, they thought that this was the nicest girl they had ever met. What a nice young woman this is. Oh, I think that you can make, she was like two years older than me. They were like, you stick with her and you'll go far. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You'll be okay. You know? And my parents also, you know, it's like when it came to, even though my mother, you know, definitely had a pill addiction, she never really drank. My father, like had like one desecchi over his spaghetti once a week at most and he thought he was a bad boy for that like he could count on one hand how many times he had been drunk in his life and he was ashamed of all of them but why so where's that link though is that anything religious based like of the shame no. of drinking that was just uh, more the start the 
maybe actually you're right. I mean, now that I think about it, it probably did have a little bit of a, my father grew up in a Catholic school and in a Catholic home, you know, Italian Catholic home. So, and also my father is very much like a very good boy. He's just all around a good boy. And so I think that my father probably like didn't want to do anything that would make him, you know, seem out of control. Yeah. 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 So I probably, maybe I get some of my puristness, my, my young purist angles from him. All right. So you, you join this club. So what happened was I decided to go to a meeting just to see what was up with it. You know, I was curious. Uh, And in that meeting, you know, there was the girl who I had met in the student center who, even though, you know, she was definitely very nice. And I thought like, oh, maybe we could be friends. I didn't feel like an ultimate connection with her. There was still something kind of like weird about her that I didn't know if I quite trusted or quite felt was genuine like I didn't sense like a like soul level connection with her but I went to the meeting anyways and in that meeting there was a girl who I had actually was very I was very surprised to see her there she had been in a, one of my first classes that freshman year and I had, you know, kind of made friends with her in that class. And to be honest, she was in my mind and in my eyes, like one of the most beautiful, most confident girls I had ever met. And I was so surprised to see her there. Like, I was just like, she's like in this Christian club. She doesn't need to be here. She's not socially awkward. Like I am like, why, why does she need to come to this? Like, but here she was, like she was in, in this meeting and I, you know, had already been very drawn to her, like in that one class. And so once I saw her in that meeting, I was like, well, I can probably like, you know, form a solid friendship with her if I keep going to these meetings. And so, yeah, so that she was more so my sticking point after that. But yeah, so so definitely in the meeting, uh, there were, you know, everybody opened up their Bibles, which was weird. We didn't do that that very much in Catholic anything like we just didn't you know we were like reading through scriptures and talking about what it meant and there seemed to be some uh, like talk that seemed a little like more hard line than I think I was necessarily comfortable with but this girl this girl who I had met in um my uh other class I'm, I'm gonna call her Kate she I call her Kate in my book as well um she was just so normal that even though some of the beliefs seemed a little wackadoodle to me, she was so normal that I was just like, what's the harm? Well, really, also, you know? it felt like it sounds like you were more there to make friends and like create connections yeah. than necessarily what the meeting was. 100%. About. Anyway. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't there to uh, like become like a hardcore Christian. Like I considered myself a Christian. Like I grew up Catholic. I was a Christian for all intents and purposes. I wasn't there though to, yeah, like I didn't think I was going to like take on any hardline beliefs. You're, yes, exactly. I was there to make friends and to form connections. And did it just, did I'm, I'm presuming did it start to get more intense and you got more into the club or so kind of yes so they they did some like weird things and you know because we were in the club this meant that we kind of like had to do them too or we were asked to do them such as go share our faith for a day of faith on campus and so and of course because I had made friends with Kate and Kate and I very quickly became very 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 close you know we had we shared so many common interests we love Lord of the Rings we love Chronicles of Narnia we love 
loved Charles Dickens. Like, you know, it's like we read the same stuff. We loved stories. Like, you know, it's like we were just very, you know, we were very simpatico that we had that soul level connection, yeah. you know? Um, and so I would be whenever we had these like kind of like weird things like day of faith where you go knock on other students doors and you go in and you share a track booklet with them. I would team up with Kate and I didn't really understand what track booklets were back then either. Like What's I did a track booklet. So a track booklet is it's a little booklet that I don't know if you ever get hand, have ever been handed like pamphlets by like, like kind of like soapbox preachers that I see them like, at the soap, like the, who hang out sometimes on the, in the near the subway yes, yes yes those things yeah so those will explain quote unquote the gospel to you which is the idea that like we're all born sinful like you know it's like we're born in this world with sin and then jesus christ died on the cross to like you know cleanse us of our sin that story is the quote unquote gospel and that's in a track booklet and that and that's is meant fully to, linked to evangelical yes, fully linked to evangelical beliefs, beliefs yes yes 100 percent um that's kind of like the core evangelical belief even even though there will be other beliefs within evangelicalism that kind of uh like very like there's like calvinism and arminianism like deep like theological ideas as to like I actually, how does a person become I, yeah saved, you i know? wrote those just to help clarify i read this the atlantic article an atlantic article this morning uh-huh. and it said that there's like four key things that really like help identify it. and it's like what you were saying is like mm-hmm. high regard for the bible yeah. and they they have those specific words that you, you call mm-hmm. name called a focus on Jesus's crucifixion and its saving efforts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, a belief that humans need to be converted. So converted yes. is the a big part of it. Mm-hmm. And then also this, the belief that faith should influence one's public life. Yes. Which is really interesting with the evangelical element because it, it does like, I do think of politics. Uh-huh. I do think of, and even in this article, it does mention sometimes that it's thought, they're thought of as very um, conservative Republican mm-hmm people i was like yeah why is this why is evangelical been so linked to other cultural elements and it's like that's actually a part that's a mm-hmm. part of being yeah evangelical yeah, yeah it is it is definitely a part of being it yeah and i remember actually that leads me to like kind of like things that would happen with kate that like were very confusing for me like within our friendship like i would say something like i remember one time i said uh like this was back in the days when George Bush was president and I had watched Fahrenheit 9-11. I knew George Bush was like full of shit. I hated that guy just because of Fahrenheit 9-11 alone. Uh, and I, that's and a I, documentary, right? Yeah. yeah but, that's yeah. one Michael Moore documentary. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh huh. <laughs> and I was like, Halliburton, Dick Cheney. Ah! <laughs> like I was on that kick. Uh, and I, and I told her how much I disliked George Bush and she was kind of pissed off about it like she was just like i think he's a good president and guess what he's going to be gone anyways and like you know someone else is going to be elected so why do you even care anymore and so like we would start having these like little like tiffs off of like weird political things like that just like stuff that like it was so weird to me i was like why do you like george bush so much he's clearly kind of like a dummy like what what about him makes you like like and then she was like well he's a christian you know and so there was that element of things that was very confusing to me i will say though and this is kind of something that uh i've learned over time too and this maybe kind of goes off of the storyline that we're kind of forming right it's now it's okay but don't worry yeah 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 so, so uh one thing that i think is important to talk about with evangelicalism is that not everybody within evangelicalism especially anymore identifies as a republican because it's not attractive for the faith 
like so people will identify more so as independent uh there will be evangelicals who you know who voted for obama per se like rather than mitt romney like because at the end of the day like the most important thing is to like they'll look at it and they'll be like okay clearly donald trump does not uh hold evangelical values even though like 81 percent of white evangelicals voted for him there is still like a subset of evangelicals that uh kind of like you know it's like have disassociated themselves from all of that but that doesn't mean that they disassociate themselves ultimately from the idea that people need to be converted so it's really just they're just packaging themselves differently and they brand themselves differently and they make themselves look more liberal because it really depends on who their target audience is especially you know it's like being in marketing (laughs) yeah it's like like i definitely like understand the strat the strategic elements behind like how they're presenting themselves for their target audience and i was taught in campus crusade you know when i finally did convert like i was definitely uh taught that we needed to look and sound and dress like the people we wanted to convert ultimately like we needed to blend in and there was they they said that there was biblical precedence for it (laughs) yep yeah yeah interesting this is why like this this stuff is like so important for people to know because they people like who ultimately would like to convert you are literally walking around on the street right (laughs) like and it's like you know it's like it's really important to understand these things about evangelicalism because it is quite pervasive like and it is like even in Park Slope, Brooklyn, like there's a huge evangelical church there called Trinity Grace, like that I actually used to go to. And I cannot tell you, it was like, there's like, it felt like there was 200 people in that room who all looked exactly, you know, like the, a general, your general cool, artistic, normal Park Sloper and who actually had like an aim at the end of the day of converting, converting people yeah. and wanted to convert people like within Brooklyn. And like, you know, they, they had some, t- they had some saying about, uh, uh, basically like bringing God's kingdom to Brooklyn. Like, you know, it's like converting like Brooklyn for God's glory. I can't remember exactly what the saying was, but yeah. So, so you, you were saying the word converted and you said that you did convert. What, what does that mean? So that's a really good question because I don't think I understood it either until it happened to me. Okay. Uh, so uh, basically one night, so, so I had kind of, you know, gotten to this point with Kate yeah. where it was very, you know, there was like sort of a distance between us and I didn't like that distance because we had these these continuous like little weird fights about like political things or about men. Like I would say things like all men are jerks because I kind of sensed, I I had like this, like this fiery feminist, this fiery feminism growing inside of me. And I didn't like the way, like I saw men treating women like period. And so I would try to like express that, but Kate loved men and Kate was very much on the side of men and she sympathized with men and she would get really angry at me if I would ever uh, say anything bad about men, like as a whole, you know, not all, men like she was like the original not all men are yeah like, back in those days uh but i sensed this distance growing between us because i had these strong opinions and she didn't like them and i just again like she was so confident and so beautiful and so wonderful and i really had a big crush on her and i did not understand that all i knew is that i wanted her to think i was the best coolest person in the world and so this need just kind of like kept growing and growing until finally when we were in our sophomore year we had become roommates and um, I was trying to kind of get back onto like, you know, 
better footing, more comfortable footing with her, be less criticized by her, feel more liked in her eyes. Cause it was just so inexplicably important to me and I didn't even understand it. And so one night I said to her, uh, basically I asked her the question, like, why do you, why do you think people go to hell? when if they don't accept jesus christ as lord and savior because i knew that she did believe that and i didn't believe that and i wasn't going to oh so just to clarify so if i am not converted i will go to hell yes that's the belief Oh, so that's why it's very important that's why to it's convert so people. Yes, that's why it's you're, so you're basically you're saving trying to save them. them that's why it's called getting saved Whoa. yes yes that's why it's called getting okay. saved yeah yeah uh-huh interesting so you're trying to save them from hell that's a i mean that's the most purposeful thing that you could yeah it's a lot of weight as well oh, to think God. like it's you're so sort much of, weight you're saving the world mm-hmm. yeah and also something that like yeah you're saving the world from some fr- from, from these invisible forces that are at uh that, that are at play for your soul essentially does it know? make you a, a i'm putting better in quotation marks a better member if the more you convert people as well uh so no not necessarily that's not that's not what they would say they would say that some people have the gift of evangelism like that some people like and it's not even like also within the belief system and like within the belief system that i was involved in which was the more calvinist lens which believes that god saves not people if i were to share my faith with you Mm -hmm. and you convert I am just helping God save you. I am just becoming a part of oh, the that story. That was more really the act of God and yes. you supported it. It's the act of God, yeah, and me supporting it, yeah. So some people, the church would say, God has given that like gift of evangelism to, and other people have like gifts of service where they're like really good at like, you know, uh, going out and like, you know, it's like helping homeless people and funneling them into the church structure, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. It's like, there's all different ways that you can get people to church to hear the gospel like to hear that quote-unquote gospel which is jesus died for your sins do you believe that he was real do you believe that he's the way and the truth and the life and no one can come to the father except through him like that's the ultimate like core belief and if you say yes i believe that and i believe that anyone who's muslim is not going to heaven anyone who's atheist is not going to heaven anybody who's who's agnostic is not going to heaven unless they believe that jesus christ is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through him they're going to hell otherwise that is the key core belief so it almost even transcends the label of evangelical and of christianity it's like the, when i say evangelical like what i like I'm, I'm i'm kind of like you know giving a label to something that is like e- even kind of bigger than that right you know? well that's what that's what i was reading about so yeah. it's very hard to define yes what it is because as many and then there's the there's the also the born again mm-hmm. um naming of yeah it which well. is another name to it yeah and 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 also they've kind of rebranded themselves as time has gone on so when i was you know born again wasn't a term that uh was looked upon as it, it wasn't really chic back when i was evangelical because I, I went back that was jimmy carter mm-hmm. in 1970 when he got in as president yeah he had a na- he his wording was i'm yeah a, i'm a born, born again yeah christian yeah. yeah so that was yeah that was definitely uh kind of like the, the that terminology was not looked upon like as it, it just it, people didn't really like uh identify with it anymore 
when I was evangelical, the how they talked about it was that they were in a relationship with Jesus, not a religion. So that's part of where also okay. this, you know, yes. book title kind of comes from. It's like because everything was about being in a relationship Friendship. with God. Yeah. Was there so was there a moment like when you did click on to be like, oh, this is evangelical and I because it sounded like before you'd made a very conscious effort to be like I would never become yeah. evangelical yeah was there like a lightning bolt moment where you're like oh I see now what's going on here yes yes so it, but it, it yes there was and you it was, was so deep in it with Kate yeah yeah it was once Kate and I it was once I really converted that I was fully able to be like oh I see what's going on here this is this is what this is it was when I she shared that track booklet with me that night when I was like, so why do you think people go to hell? And she pulls out the same one that I had been walking around campus with her, like sharing with people, even though I was probably not helpful in those conversations. I was probably <laughs> like, I was probably just sitting there being like, I mean, that sounds a little weird. Right. And like this thing, like I was, I was being shared with just as much in those moments. But in this moment, I so badly wanted like her to approve of me and like me just, it just felt like I, I needed her approval and her uh consent it, like if I was going to like move forward well in my life uh and so she shared it with me and I remember like basically she brought it down to that moment of like do you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and the Savior and no one comes to the Father except through him like do you believe that and there was this like moment in my head where I was like okay you know something I can give this a try I'm going to say yes to her. And if I wake up tomorrow morning and like nothing is different, then this is all just a silly little moment in my sophomore year college bed. Like, was it also like you felt like I'm either going to lose her in this moment or I'm going to still have her in this moment? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. kind of. Yeah, there was that as well. Like there was either like I'm going to lose this friendship and this thing that's so important to me for reasons that I do not understand, like, or this is going to become like an even deeper, more powerful relationship Connection, me. Connection. Yeah. And so, so basically I said, yeah, I do. And she was like, okay, then pray, pray this prayer with me. And I was like, okay, this transformative prayer it was supposed to be, it was supposed to like kind of hold all of this like magic to it, you know, this like a prayer of accepting Jesus into my heart, you know, uh, and, and beginning my relationship with him. And so I did it. I said, yes. And then, you know, we went to bed. And then I woke up the next morning. I remember really early because I had a chemistry class that I was taking and I went to this cafeteria and I looked around at all of the other students. And just in my mind, I was like, that person needs to be saved and that person needs to be saved and that person needs to be saved. Like it was literally as if the only way I could have described it back then was I felt like I had a soul transplant. Like I genuinely felt like something so deep inside of me had changed. And I now like, you know, believed in ways that I had never believed and never thought I could. I I had now become a person that I never wanted to be and never thought I would be, but I was so excited about it. And it felt good. Oh my goodness. It was like, it it was literally like being born again. Like that, that terminology is not, you know, even though it wasn't like the chic thing to say, that is exactly what it felt like. That's what it felt like. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm holy moly that's mm-hmm. so interesting when you yeah. you weren't even really looking for it but well, it felt like bought into it yeah yeah and mm-hmm. yet do you but do you do do you feel like in that when you did accept that with her though it was sort of like i am also surrendering yes. to 
embrace all this there was a there was definitely an element of surrender yes there was definitely an element of like letting my own guard down and just letting myself jump into the pool so how long were you in the pool seven years and did it keep now we're using this term did you keep going deeper and deeper (laughs) into the pool (laughs) uh yes uh for a long time and i would say the last two years of it I was uh, coming up out of the pool. Okay. It was I kind of described that as like waking up out of a dream those last two years. But yes, for a long time I did go deeper and deeper into it. Yeah. And what was I'm not I'm curious like even in this uh, relationship with Jesus, Jesus or God, mm-hmm. Jesus and God, and Jesus they're, they're and the God. same in the Trinity. Yeah. Idea, what yeah. is what were like? What would you say was some of the strongest? behaviors and beliefs that you were like that you carried throughout that thing like what's a relationship with someone else yeah like a sexual is there a sexual relationship like what what's happening even in that (laughs) realm i mean what (laughs) hey hey i mean what a leap was it i felt like that's like the next thing to ask you're you're not wrong and it's actually the sexual component of all of that is something that like i think most evangelicals don't want to touch because for evangelicals period there's just a lot of hang-ups around sex because you're not supposed to have sex until marriage you're okay. definitely you do not have sex until marriage when you're evangelical and if you do what, it is what about not the other good. stuff Oh, nope, you're not supposed to do that stuff either. You're not supposed to stimulate yourself in any way. Once you start feeling that warm feeling down there, you're supposed shut to stop. Shut that down. Yep. <laughs> you're supposed to okay, shut so that not down. to yourself. So no masturbation. Oh, definitely no masturbation ever. Okay. Yep. I have stories about that too. <laughs> yep. What's this? Okay. How, hi. Oh, oh. What's the, what are those? <laughs> Uh, so when I was, so definitely when I became an evangelical, uh, you know, Kate, like kind of like was my guide in all of it. And one of the things that she wanted me to do two years in was go on a missions trip to Hampton beach, New Hampshire. Um, and she, in order to do this, it was a campus crusade sponsored mission trip. I mean, I say sponsored. I had to raise all my money. I had to raise like $1,900 to go on it. Uh, but it's not like they paid anything. But uh, basically, I had to uh, have an interview with a Campus Crusade staff woman who was very high up in the Campus Crusade ranking in order to go on this missions trip. Uh, and they had uh, this very detailed, like, it's like, it was like a freaking job application, like, except the most uncomfortable job application I've ever filled out, like, <laughs> in order to go on this missions trip. Uh, and I had to list all my sexual history in one of the like yeah in one of the uh parts of the job application yeah i mean job the mission strip application how is that even a question (laughs) when you're not supposed to do any of it because it well whatever i had done previously like before i became a believer but also even if you're not supposed to do any of it that doesn't mean that you haven't because they still believe that like humans are fine and sinful and blah blah, and even if you even if you've accepted jesus you might have done some stuff that you need to repent of so they want to ask you if you've like you know done any of that like uh and so i like had to be very honest on this application and had to be very honest with myself and like even like you know i was probably about two years into my faith walk into my relationship with god at that point and i had you know figured out how to masturbate when i was very 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 young and like by you know the time i was like 14 i had found out about pornography and i was like this is great (laughs) uh and i definitely you know had been doing that in college i had been masturbating and watching pornography in college even though i was very afraid to do that on the school network (laughs) 
network. I, I was terrified about watching porn on the school network. Cause I was like, what if they find me? Like, what if I get a letter? And then I had to tell myself, there's probably a lot of frat boys. Doing I was about to right say, now. I feel like you <laughs> wouldn't be probably on the top of the list. Definitely that, yeah. not. But in my paranoid little mind back then, <laughs> I was no, like, fa- I, yeah. yeah, I was like, they're going to, the, the, the school's going to come knocking on my door. It's going to be like, we know what you look at on your computer sometimes once a week you know it's like uh so i basically you know it's like they were asking sexual history they were asking like you know have you ever masturbated have you ever had same sex attraction like all of that stuff and i knew even though like i hadn't fully admitted it to myself like i knew deep down that i was bisexual like i think i had always known that uh and then uh, you know it's like finally i basically had to like then on this job application, I had to admit to the fact that I had masturbated and watched pornography that was like of a like um, homosexual nature. And yeah, so I had to say all that. And also and you want to be and just to clarify, you yeah. want to be honest with this because that is the that's yes. what you should do for yes. your faith. Uh huh. Yeah. You almost feel forced into honesty to be to be quite honest. And yes, you do want to genuinely be honest with it. Like the last thing that I wanted to do was lie in order to get on the missions trip, because how was I going to grow like as a human being and as a believer if I did okay. that? So, uh, yeah. So basically, like I did say the truth. Uh, I told Kate about it she was the first person i ever admitted that stuff to which is so ironic because i also had a crush on her that i didn't understand even back then and so i'm admitting it to her yeah i was so afraid oh my god i thought that she was going to like you know think that i was a disgusting human being i was so ashamed of it and i was so ashamed of myself for having quote-unquote same-sex attraction and for masturbating or watching pornography like any of these things like uh and i remember she was like silent for a second and i was like oh my god i've lost her i've lost her probably now she probably thinks that i'm so horrible i've probably lost her and uh then she said to me I see you taking this story and helping so many other women who struggle with same sex, same sex attraction. Like, and so she like saw a future for me, like in her mind of me, like being at a conference and on a stage and being like, I too have struggled with same sex attraction, but we can beat it together and like get over it together. So she saw me being like a conversion therapist, (laughs) like essentially like, you know, it's true marketer. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right. And that's what, but that's all evangelicals. Like it's again, it's like, they're almost like born into marketing, yeah. you know, it's like in a way, but yeah, she saw me having that type of promotion. Like, you know, and I, at that point in time told myself, well, oh, maybe that is, maybe that's what I've gone through all this for. Maybe that's why I was born this way. And I knew I was born that way mm-hmm. also. Like I knew that it wasn't just a choice deep down. I knew that like, uh, but you know, quote unquote, just a choice, whatever that means. Like, but yeah. So like, I basically kind of understood all of that. Uh, and so, and then I had the actual interview with the staff woman and I told her, you know, it's like, she, she basically was like, Oh, so I read this on your application. And I was like, ah, here it comes here it comes and uh she said to me uh basically like i just want you to know that you're gonna be sharing a room with two other women on this missions trip and you're not allowed to do any of that in front of them basically and and then she said while they're sleeping so she basically like told me that i was like while my roommate slept i shouldn't be like masturbating and like i was just like and I think even in my mind back then, I was like, does she really think it works that way? Wait, Does yeah. she think that that's like well, that's what, what I was gay people a, do? A very <laughs> like, ignorant uh-huh. like, 
yeah, you know, way of looking at it. But it's also interesting that 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 was basically it. Yeah. So uh-huh. you got on the trip. Uh huh. I got on the trip. At the end of the day, the only thing that I really needed to do was be honest and let them know that I believed it was wrong. Right. That, and as long as I told them that I believed it was wrong and I was willing to work through it, They're belief fine. is such a powerful thing. And evangelicals know that. And if they can get you to believe like a, that Jesus Christ is Lord and savior, but also that like your same sex attractions are wrong, then they can get you to do so much. Right. You know? So if you're in a relationship and I don't mean to take this so literal, but if you're mm-hmm. in a relationship with God and Jesus, um, for women is that is there some type of deeper relationship with that 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 in some ways that they are my husband or they Mm -hmm. they are my person yes so they will tell you that the evangelical movement will say for women that god is your husband before you get married and ultimately the ultimate belief is whatever and this is for men as well whatever uh relationship you have on earth with uh in a marriage is going to be over by the time you get to heaven you're not going to still be married to your husband when you get or to your wife when you get to heaven like that relationship evangelicals believe that marriage on earth is only to uh like you know basically like uh bolster god's glory basically like through your marriage on earth you are showing like a bit of how the trinity works you're showing a bit of how the father the son the holy spirit work and so you're giving an example to other people of that and also to yourselves like you're like being self-sacrificial you're like you know it's like being loving like all of those things that you are in human relationship and in this really close marriage relationship you're going to be that and a million times more with god when you get to heaven so yeah your marriage to the human will be over when you die and when you get to heaven and then your marriage with god like really begins like and you are one with your creator again so yes there is a bit of a there there is like definitely a romantic almost like component to it but it's almost even transcends romance (laughs) Yeah, everything, you know, it's everything about you is now in relationship with this. So what started to what were some key things that happened for you to, you know, start realizing that this might not be right for you? Oh, goodness. Um, I mean, just like conversion is so complicated, like deconversion and deconstruction is kind of what a lot of us call it now uh, was very complicated for me. So was Kate still around? So when I, I basically, you know, Kate stayed in New Jersey uh, and then I moved to New York City to get my MFA in creative writing right after um, I got off of this missions trip, which was also the most indoctrinated I had ever been. Uh, And so I moved here. I started going to church here, blah, blah, blah. I uh, met a, like my pastor, my church was basically like, I want you to basically help me convert all of the students in your writing program. And like, you know, like there was, yeah, this like huge thing that we did in this like big plan that we had where I was going to have one-on-one meetings with like a lot of my friends, which was just going out to dinner with my friends and then get them to like come to like kind of like a Bible study at my home and then slowly funnel them into the church. So the same way that I had slowly been converted, I was now told I needed to slowly convert all of my friends in my grad school program. But uh, that is, you know, and I I think that my pastor and all, they all like, 
I, I was very zealous, definitely, but I think they underestimated the what influence. What do you mean by zealous? Sorry. I, ze- zealous is kind of like, like I was very, uh, very invested in my faith. Okay. And I was very, like, I was very, uh, like, into this idea. And I, I made a lot of wholeheartedly. sense. Yeah. It made a lot of sense. I was really bought in. I was, as Kate would have said, solid. I was solid in my faith. You know, it's like, they d- it didn't look like there was anything that could have turned me away from it. Uh, and so I think that they saw me as strong enough in my faith to go into this like pool of non-believers mm. as like the sole believer and try to convert all of them. Like, and if you weren't as, if they saw sort of weakness in your commitment, they like the church, your community wouldn't have necessarily supported you going to like going yeah. and getting your MFA uh, yes. and being in New York city and all Definitely that kind of stuff. Not. Okay. Definitely not. Part of the reason I think why Kate wanted me to go on this missions trip in which I became like really, really, really super indoctrinated over the course of 10 weeks was to strengthen and bolster my faith enough so that when I moved to New York city and she wasn't there with me, that I would be able to like do all of this stuff without her that I, it was almost like, <laughs> she was like a mother in a way in yeah. these ways well she's you know? doing but she's doing the the job of her faith right yes. I, mean, I keep uh-huh. using with faith because i'm not sure what the correct terminology yeah, yeah, should yeah. be faith but, is definitely but she's a good converting you yes. strong uh-huh. to, you know. continuously constantly converting me like over time it's like you know she was the way that uh evangelicals would have called it and we called it in campus crusade was discipling she was discipling me the way that jesus discipled his disciples you know uh so yeah so she was discipling me and making sure that i was really rock solid before i went off without her and without anyone into this pool of non-believers uh and so i was probably about as rock solid in my faith as a person could be uh but also like you know in getting to know these people so much of converting a person is like finding out what their vulnerabilities are and getting to know them and and figuring out where you can poke holes like in their logic and the way they see the world and in their worldviews um And I, you know, it's like genuinely wanted to do that and genuinely wanted to get to know these friends of mine and understand like where I could save them because ultimately I loved these people. I was like, and I was falling in love with them more and more. In the creative class, in your creative writing class. Yeah, in my creative writing program. Yeah, Yeah, I was falling in love with them more and more as I got to know them. And so of course I wanted to see them saved. Of course I wanted them to be with me in heaven. Like I wanted my family to be with me in heaven. My family was not believers. They were terrified of this whole thing that I was doing and this whole thing that I had become uh and so like it was yes as you said a huge weight to bear for a 19 year old for a 21 year old for a 22 23 year old like um and it was very depressing and very hard and very scary and you know and very uh it it was it was all consuming uh and as I became closer and closer with these people and I also allowed myself to open up to them a little bit because the only way you're ever going to get anybody to open up to you is you, if you've got to show some vulnerability. Yeah, you got to show some vulnerability yeah. as well. They, I began to see things about their lives and about their perspectives and about the way that they were living their lives that I wanted. You know, freedoms that I wanted. Like, and so one thing was being like. It, being a woman in the evangelical church is one of the most depressing things ever <laughs> because you're just not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to become a pastor. Uh, you're told that when you get married, you have to submit to your husband in marriage, which means that he makes all the final decisions that you don't get to really have like the quote unquote final say. 
on anything. Like, even if like, you know, you want to have takeout for dinner, you don't get to have the final say, like he has to have that. Uh, you know, it's like the, the most leadership you're allowed to have in a church as a woman is basically, uh, you know, teaching children's church or setting up snack tables, maybe reading a scripture at service. You're not really supposed to teach men ever. You're not supposed to have any sort of quote unquote spiritual authority over men. As a woman, you're just kept down. Uh, I wasn't allowed to say I wanted to ask an evangelical guy out on a date. Wasn't allowed to do that. I would be robbing him of his manhood if I did that, you know? Is uh, it as strong? Because I'm trying, you know, like with Catholics, you mm-hmm. know, you, if you're deep in it, you, you know, you're supposedly not supposed to have sex before marriage. Mm-hmm. Many Catholics didn't, don't, yeah. uh, you know, don't yeah. do that. Right. So when you're talking about, I just want to make sure I understand is that, is this general, like, is this pretty general for evangelicals mm-hmm. to be following what you're saying? 100%. Or is it more like that's when you're really deep in it? Uh, you're supposed to be. So, so genuinely, yes, a lot of them do. And it's not the same thing. So what you're talking about with Catholicism is something my dad has a term for. He calls it cafeteria Catholics. Like I kind of take what yeah, I you like pick and what I, you want. I exactly. pick and choose. That's a great Evangelicals way believe that picking and choosing is one of the most evil things that you can do. So you're and either if, in or you're out. Yeah, you're either in or you're out. Okay. And if you're picking and choosing as an evangelical, then you you're are not you're not, not an evangelical. really no yeah. you you basically need to go to an, an altar call again and get saved all over oh, again okay. you need to recommit your life to christ yeah. if you're picking and you broke your 12 steps or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Like, yes, yeah. yes 100 yeah. you did yes 100 percent uh so yeah so basically uh, i forget what i was saying no sorry i totally okay. cut it off no um, that was so the bat freaks women in the oh yeah 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 being a woman in the church was horrible uh and um i uh yeah and and i like it just felt like i felt like i just had like no real control over my own life and and i had been you know told that like oh you're actually equal to to a man you're not like you just have a different role than men but you're still equal you're still equal and i was just like but it doesn't feel that there was still a part of me that wanted to shave my head and run around on a loincloth like there was just still a part of me that just wanted to just like you know just wanted to rip everything off like and i and so uh, there was this like again maybe that little fiery feminist Mm. inside of me was like still there and uh kate had you know just tried to stomp her out for so many years and it just really wasn't fully working um and so and also there was just like generalized desires like all the things you're not supposed to do in the evangelical church like have sex I so badly wanted to have sex. I had never had sex before. I was such a little nerdy geek. By the time I got into evangelicalism, I had never had sex. And so here I am walking around New York City, 24, 25, never had sex. All my friends are doing it constantly. I know they are. And I'm not sitting here being like, oh, like, look at them. This I'm not judging them for it. I'm actually just kind of like bit jealous. jealous of them. Yeah. Yes, I was jealous of them for it. Like, and I never would have admitted that out loud. Like, and, and sure, like I, and, and, you know, I was waiting for my husband, quote unquote, but also like, I didn't like any of these evangelical dudes. (laughs) I really, I was just like, these guys are so boring. There was like one guy that I did like when I was on that missions trip and I was really hung up on him for a while. But like, you know, but he was also just like such a like, he was like Mr. Like, I'm really into theology. Look at me smoking my cigars. And like, you know, it's like talking about Jesus and theology and Wayne Grudem and blah, 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 blah. And like he was he was such a bro. And like and and I, you know, thought he was intelligent and he could match me on that. And he seemed kind of funny. But I just wasn't really meeting somebody who I like 
connected with on any of those levels. And also deep down, I was like, I'm not sure it really existed because that guy had actually admitted to me that he kind of liked me. And then he said to me, basically, at the end of the missions trip, he lived in Tennessee and I was moving to New York. And he told me, you know, like, he's like, at the end of the day, Beth, like, you know, I still have a couple years left of college and you're moving to New York. And, you know, I just really want to I need to be with somebody ultimately, like, who's going to, like, do the things that I want to do and not have their own thing. And so I learned from that that, like any evangelical guy wasn't going to want to come around with me as I follow my dreams, like, or really hold an equal share in each other's dreams. Like he was going to want to be put first and you know, it's like want, want, want to have their stuff put first. Like that was just the way the evangelical hierarchy worked. And I wasn't going to be able to get away from that. I had even had a woman on missions trip say to me about him, about my relationship with him. She was like, I just want to let you know, you know, he's really wonderful, but you're going to have to give up some of your dreams like for him. If you're going to be with a man who's that wonderful and that great, you know? And I was just like, not interested, like deep down inside, I was just not interested in that. So a, I was all of a sudden getting crushes on people who were not evangelical, which is one of the worst things you can do. You, you are not supposed to date people who do not share your faith. It is called being unequally yoked. It is a bad thing in evangelical culture. Missionary dating, they also call it, which is just bad, bad, bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, and here I was having crushes on all of these people and they would have crushes on me too. And that was the craziest thing. So basically it wasn't just all in my head anymore. These were things that could happen in reality. And I would flirt with them and I'd kind of like hold their hand and then they'd be like, Oh, is something going to happen? And I would be like, Nope, sorry, we're not kissing tonight. And I'd walk out of the party. I was such a tease and, but I was teasing myself more yeah. than anything because then those people would go off and like start actually having real relationships with other people. And I would be heartbroken because I wanted that with them and I wanted those things but I couldn't let myself have it and so it was like after like a lot of time of that all of those things happening and also like the weight of having to save everybody was really heavy to carry also the belief that being gay was a sin was really heavy to carry like I really hated that belief deep down. I hated it. I also really hated the belief that if people don't accept Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, they're going to hell. Like these were things that I had agreed to believe in order to like be in this club, basically, in order to be in Kate's good graces. And then in order to like be kind of like given of given my adulthood handed to me on a plate on a silver platter rather than have to like, you know, messily discover it on my own. That's interesting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You it's like life was paved Mm -hmm. out for you and you didn't have to yeah kind of go through the the pain the pain but yeah. beauty mm-hmm. of discovering yourself yeah. and what you want yeah. and who you want yeah. to be with but see i didn't see that back when i got into evangelicalism i didn't see that as beauty i just saw that as scary, as scary. <laughs> i was so afraid of it well, had you know? something like do you know why that fear was so now like n- now mm-hmm. looking back just to give context so yeah. you did leave how old were you when you I was 26 when I left. 26. And how old are you now? I'm 32 now. 32. Okay. So yeah. there's been a few years. Yeah. I've and, had some processes. And there's yeah. been there uh-huh. some therapy in between oh, all this. Oh my goodness. And... Yes. I have a wonderful therapist who is also ex-evangelical. Oh, so that interesting. helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. Helps a lot. I'm very, very fortunate <laughs> to have that. Yeah. Has Have you guys dived into what, what were the, what, I was thinking about this two ways. Like maybe what was, the, why there was such a strong fear that this appealed so much to you. 
but also was there something that was that you acknowledged that was missing in you felt like in life that this sort of like gave it to you as yeah. well or you were just really young and you <laughs> and you went you know and you sort of like joined a crew yeah <laughs> I think it was all of that like I think it was definitely all of that and I think that uh you know what felt missing for me was again my mother having this pill addiction like I felt like what does that mean sorry just yeah I, pill addiction I actually don't I mean I, I you, you're addicted to pills I, I yeah. understand but what like I can I can sort of like an image comes to mind when I think of someone that's maybe an alcoholic yeah, or yeah. like that they wake up with hangovers and that they're kind of like, that. you know, is it the same Very type similar. of thing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it definitely depends on what pills you're on. Yeah. Like for my mother, uh, it was a prescription migraine medication that she was addicted to. And yes, we would come home and she'd be, you know, passed out. Like she would uh, be completely off balance. She'd be slurring her words. She wouldn't be making any sense. She was just not there. She was high all the time. All the time. Yeah. She was high all the time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, and also she had just such low self-confidence and she really did not, you know, want to take care of herself in a way. It was like, she always, it, it felt like she always kind of wanted to die like in a way. Mm. And, uh, growing up with that made me like, I, I didn't feel like I had like a real example of what it was to be an adult in the world with that. And with my father constantly managing that and their marriage was so that their relationship was so, so, so rocky and like really, really, really difficult. Like when I was all throughout my childhood and all throughout growing up, like I didn't feel like I had a roadmap at all as to like how to do this adult thing. And from my parents' relationship, like, I was so afraid of getting into a situation like that. And it was just so terrifying. I was so terrified. I wanted to do things better than them. You know, it's like I wanted to do things better than them so much that I was willing to give up autonomy to mm. this evangelical group in order to get that, you know. And when you saying get that, it's more like a, a guide a guide and a, I'm, I wonder if it's a sort of like an acceptable yes. life yes. Or, uh, that are with value and uh -huh. meaning. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. And also it also, because I saw my family was so messed up, it gave me a way to be able to save them. I was like, Oh, now this makes sense. The reason why they're so screwed up is because they don't have this. Yes. They don't have Jesus. What would it be like if they had this Christian community around them? Like this what is the answer like? that they've needed this yep. whole, so you could be the kid that fixed the family. Yes. Yes, I could. Yeah. I could fix them and therefore retroactively kind of fix my childhood. Like, there, there were so many elements and that's another thing that I feel like is so important is that conversion is so complicated and no matter how smart a person thinks they are, if somebody is able to find those vulnerabilities and, and exploit them. Yeah. And you say that I can take them away. Yes. Like, yes. And you're like, okay. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 And again, it's like, it happened for me so slowly over the course of the year. They were just, the, the, the evangelicals call it planting seeds. There were just little seeds planted in my mind about my perspective. And it, they just grew and they changed the way I saw things and they made me more susceptible and more accepting of ideas that I would have wholesale rejected beforehand. You know, what was, what was some, good thing like is there some stuff that you still carry to be like that was a one like there's pieces of catholicism that mm. i was raised with um, 
that I appreciate. Like I do love the idea of community mm-hmm. and like on a Sunday, we didn't go to church that often, mm-hmm. but I, do, I, you know, I, I think that sometimes I wake up on a Sunday and I think about, oh, it'd be kind of nice to go to this one place where all your friends gather and you sing a song and you give, say a prayer to someone that's sick or going through a hard time. And like the concept of it is really lovely. Um, and especially for our generation, I think where we don't, you know, have much institutional and community driven, mm-hmm. um, you know, opportunities as much as like in the past, like, is there some stuff that you're like, honored oh, that I am grateful that this had been a part of my life or, or does it actually really feel like that was the most manipulative, dangerous thing that I've ever kind of been a part of? Most of the time, that's how it feels. Most of the times it feels like this is the most manipulative, dangerous thing I've ever been a part of. And I wish it never happened to me. Uh, and there's other times though, where there are, there are little things that I still take with me, like very tiny things. So like, you know, I, I got married this year and my husband and I, whenever we're doing our laundry, um, we have a, you know, communal laundry room in the basement of our, uh, of our building. And every time we, you know, it's like, take our stuff out of the dryer. He just wants to walk out. And I'm like, absolutely not. We are cleaning the lint trap Do unto others. <laughs> like, like it's like these, just these like little, little weird Jesus-y teachings that I still find to be so beautiful, like, and so right. And like, could actually make the world a better place. Like, it's like that idea, like of like, you know, treating other people the way you want to be treated. treated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then also like, I think the greatest thing that this faith system taught me and like the one thing that it taught me about myself So talking about love and talking about like being in a relationship with God, one thing that I used to do a lot was I would, uh, I just ravenously journaled all the time. And I had these moments where I would be writing and all of a sudden I would feel like God was speaking to me about myself. And so I would write down what I felt like God was saying. And it was always really encouraging, really beautiful, really loving, like gorgeous things that just, I could look back on it and read it over. And it was so comforting and helped me get through whatever I was going through in that moment and in other moments. And what I have, you know, a a lot, and people have asked me, you know, afterwards they've been like, so like what, do you think that was like, do you think that that was God? Like, do you think that that was like a real spiritual being? Like, and people in the church used to say that I had a prophetic gift and like, you know, that I just needed to grow my prophetic gift. And now I think that that was me. Like, I think that I have the ability to comfort and love and nourish myself that I was not confident enough of a person to do back then. Like when I first became an evangelical, I never would have thought that I had it in me to give Mm. myself that love that I needed, you know, to be that partner for myself in a way that I needed. Like, and this faith system, like through manipulating me into thinking that there was a higher power speaking through my head for their own ultimate political gain taught me that I actually have something within me that is so precious and special and wonderful and uh, like basically just like loneliness obliterating. Yeah. Um, And that was a really, it's been a beautiful thing to like know that I'm capable of it. You know, that does remind me of this, um, this chapter in a book I once read that, that they was, he was explaining that actually love it depending how you want to look at it and who you are, that love is God. 
So mm-hmm. you, you're the love to yourself, the you know, like the concept of love. If you could just place that as God, and yeah. not m- much might change if yeah. that's the way that you see through it. And like you're saying, I, like it made me think of like, well, if we put God as the highest of 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 it all, yeah, and um, that and so the belief that you were this special person and that God was saying that, that meant that you had to believe that Mm -hmm. like that, you you know, that Uh had sort of come from you and you've given that's like the power to the highest being to tell that to you Uh where if you didn't like yourself Uh and you weren't, you know, thinking very good thoughts about yourself, how could you have conjured that God would say that to you? Yeah. 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 How could I even have like, yeah. How could I even have conjured those words? How could I have even, begun to believe that I deserved those words that I deserved to be told that and that I deserved that kind of like guidance and comfort in my life yeah so how messy did it get when you when you when you left it was quite messy uh so I'd like to describe um leaving evangelicalism as basically like breaking up with 200 people because you know you're not only handed when you enter evangelicalism a guidebook but you're also handed like a lot of people to help you live it like you're handed entire communities like I met evangelicals all over the country like I was constantly going like Virginia Colorado like the west coast like the deep south you know it's like I had so many people um that I had to kind of basically break up with in this especially like my church family you know here in New York um and that was I mean it was pretty devastating for them I still will say it was more devastating for me uh and I think that a lot of evangel a lot of ex-evangelicals have had the this horrible experience of being excommunicated I did not have that experience because I think that they, they basically, the people that I went to church with, and I don't know if it's just because there's so few people in a way in New York, even though there's a lot, there's also every single person is kind of like precious in this sense. Like they uh, were begging me not to go and they were begging me to stay. Like they, they wanted to still have me in their lives in any way, shape and form. Even if I was not a believer anymore, they still wanted to be around me because they wanted to reconvert me ultimately. Like, so I knew that these relationships were just, they had to end. They were never going to be good for me. They were never going to be healthy. Uh, And they were always going to view me as like somebody who was doing something wrong in my life. And, you know, it was basically either when I had conversations with you know church friends after I left like uh usually the way it went was it was either like you know you know you know I don't know about this God should be in the driver's seat of your life not you you can't control your own life you can't do this so it was either you're massively screwing your life up and you're gonna like drive it into a wall or it was you know something I'm not worried about you because you've been saved once you're He's saved forever. Save God has you trapped in his salvation. You can't escape him. So it was basically like, you know, you're either going to massively screw your life up or you don't have the ability to make this decision that you think you have. Right. And then even people who seem to be kind of understanding, it took a year for them to basically be like, Hey, I just want to let you know, you're going to regret ever having had sex before marriage. I know you've had sex and you're going to regret that. Like it was just basically like, no matter what, 
I wasn't really able to get away from it. Like I, and no matter how much I loved these people and still do in so many ways, like I can't get away from the fundamentalism of their beliefs. Like I can't escape that. They don't want to escape it. And it's not my decision to make to do that. Them. Yeah. That's yeah. Up to them. Yeah. Have you found some way that like to be able to connect with them without, I don't know. Do you write them letters? Or, like, is there any, or do you really, is it kind of, oh my God, why is sobriety keep coming up in my mind? Or do you really like, I can't, you just can't, I you can't. just have to shut the, it's I cold shut, turkey. It yeah, cold turkey. Be. I ghosted a lot of people. Yeah. And that was one of the hardest things too. You they, ha- but for you. Yeah, I, mean, I had was, to. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, yeah. And like, I've, that was, it was really hard. Like I was very uh, depressed for, like a good like two years like I would and I was also depressed just coming out of the faith period like that was horrible those two years like but especially after I left like I just sat in coffee shops like when I was supposed to be writing and I was committed to like writing a short story or doing this or doing that I would just sit and journal and cry like for like two years it was really every single weekend like because I just felt so incredibly guilty for the fact that I had done this that I, that I had not only left my faith but just left these people and like and it, and it didn't feel good they were still texting me like I would uh, strings and strings of text messages of please talk to me please talk to me please talk to me please talk to me like every year on my birthday it's hard yeah. you know uh just having gotten married is not easy either because now it's like they all like like first of all being married now and all of what that meant in the evangelical world versus what I'm making it mean for myself now are two very different things uh and but then like just the messages on Facebook and the little things like I, you know, and I really do need to like unfriend and block some people. I know that I need to do that. And I just haven't gotten it in yeah. me. I, I don't have it in me yet to do it. Like, but yeah. So yeah. And how is the me. transition into the, the non world of evangelical? Yeah. Like did we, even though it sounded like deep down it's was, what you needed yeah, needed right. and believed in mm-hmm. itself of women's rights yeah. and you know uh yeah. free love whoever you want to and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff but did you what yeah how was that transition going into it and yeah. was it like you know there's times where people say I'm going to use a really weird metaphor but like a friend of mine who grew up in Hong Kong but was actually born in America and then came to school a lot in America that she always felt like she couldn't really ha- hang out with the other kids from Hong Kong because she was American, mm-hmm. but she also wasn't American in the American eyes. So yeah. she was like this in this really weird middle point. And I was wondering with you, if like you're no longer evangelical, but you're also <laughs> not necessarily just like the creative kids, you know, yeah. in the class that haven't had this whole past. So you're uh-huh. like in this weird middle space yeah, for a while I really appreciate you saying that because that's definitely been a huge thing uh coming out of it basically was uh I felt like for a long time I would go to parties and like I would just be exploding with like I just got out of a cult you know <laughs> and it's like oh my god I just had sex for the first time last month like and it was just a very like it was like the only thing I could talk about like it was almost like you know when you've had a breakup and you're just like uh, yeah. you just like <laughs> talk about it to everybody and 
you just can't like you're all of a sudden telling like a stranger at a work event who yeah. works for another company like about your breakup like it was like that it was like the only thing I could talk about and it was actually kind of embarrassing because I'm like I'm like maybe this person doesn't want to know about my cult experience like even though people would generally be pretty interested it was still weird like you know over over drinks and stuff like that to be doing that uh I also got into uh you know I got into a year-long relationship probably within a month of leaving the church because you know I was like oh god make up for lost time yeah and so I got into a relationship with somebody who was not good for me at all like not a good guy like definitely uh was quite uh emotionally and verbally abusive uh and but I didn't really understand the abuse because hey there was a lot of things that like a lot of his misogyny was kind of like what you used to what I was used to yeah and also there was so much of like the other stuff that was just like oh well this just must be what a secular relationship is like you know so and and also people like around me kind of made excuses for him uh and made excuses for his behavior like because like oh she's finally in a relationship and she's finally having sex just like let her do it let her do it yeah Yeah, just let her do it and he was just so horrible like and so yeah so it was a very and you know something that I've learned after this you know especially like now you know now within the past couple of years I've gotten very involved in like uh the ex-evangelical Twitter community and in like you know just sort of the online spaces where ex-evangelicals interact and I've learned it's actually very common for people to leave uh evangelicalism and get into abusive relationships afterwards so like do you think there's a tie to also because you you're also feeling so guilty with what you mm-hmm. just did that for someone to sort of be in an abusive relationship makes complete yeah. sense. It kind of felt yeah, like yeah, I yeah. deserved it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. My like, well, self-confidence is... wasn't that great as yeah. it was. Oh, yeah, 100%. If I'd yes. got into a great relationship, that would have even been more confusing uh-huh. Yeah, I don't yeah, deserve yeah. this. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah, and again, like his, his generalized like machismo misogyny was just kind of like, you know, there was, a, there was a comfort in it. Like it felt a little comforting because it's like, you know, quitting cold turkey is not comfortable and i don't know if you ever really can fully quit cold mm. turkey you know so well, yeah you i mean you're not i don't I, you don't know what you're gonna have you're training your mind to think yes. differently uh-huh. so that it's not like the next day mm-hmm. you're gonna be yeah quote unquote normal which i don't even know what that is uh-huh. but yeah. you're yeah you're gonna now go on a roller coaster of letting go what you need to let go of Uh holding on to what was you know like oh my goodness yeah 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 it was very similar to in a way like it's like sort of like I had to you know again it's it's a word called that a lot of ex-evangelicals online use called deconstruction and you know just like I had like built up this faith over the course of seven years now I had to take it apart like and there's still like little pieces in my mind that I'm still taking apart there's still things that I have to deconstruct like things that just like will like you know like pop up on me or even like ways like of being a woman out in the world and like wearing clothes wearing clothes is really hard <laughs> like because like I like they they taught me in the evangelical world that like uh I had to look every time I got dressed in the morning I had to uh look down and make sure that there was not even a hint of cleavage like showing uh, yep you got none right now none of yeah. you guys got any I don't wearing really got sweaters any yeah. yeah I know it's cold out here <laughs> uh but yeah so I uh you know was always like basically yeah just trained to like always check my clothes cleavage make sure that I didn't have any bra straps showing like in the summertime I wore like three shirts at a time just so that I had no cleavage showing ever uh and still that is like a re- it is a really hard thing for me to still like get dressed in the morning 
and to make sure that I am quote unquote modest enough so that if a married man were to come up to me and, you know, who's taller than me and look down that I wouldn't be like, you know, basically like making him stumble in his relationship with the Lord and therefore his relationship with his wife, you know, I would be responsible for that. Like if that stuff happened. Grace is looking at me like, what (laughs) the fuck? I'm like, I know. know. Yeah. It's so much weight to carry. Like it's like as an evangelical, you literally got the weight of the world, like of like saving everybody around you. But then as an evangelical woman, you've got extra because now you have all the responsibility of the piety of the men around you. You and know so- what I don't quite understand though with all this? It is so much, it seems like there's so much focus being on converting others and mm-hmm. the way to behave. Where's actually the practice of faith going yeah, on? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, there is a lot of, con- a lot of focus on that, but so the practice of faith, I mean, is supposed to be going on every day, every right. moment, every second, like you're supposed to be like, like, you know, in constant conversation with God. Also, like, there's a lot of uh, talk about your devotionals, like in the morning, like you're supposed to like get up and read your Bible and have your quiet time with God. And I, and basically like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, invest in your relationship with the Lord, like through like, you know, your, your time in your Bible in the morning. And I remember once having a pastor say, uh, you know, in his sermon at a church in New Jersey that I went to that, uh, you know, he didn't want us to just be like getting the scraps off his table every Sunday because they were just scraps. His sermon was just his scraps from his week of feasting in relationship with the Lord. Mm. Like, you know, and so every day you needed to wake up and be in your Bible and be devoting yourself through any devotional, you know, and for evangelicals now there's apps like it's very digitized now. Like there's all of these like, you know, Bible apps that you can open up and devote yourself with on the, on the subway. Like you can make it work for you you know yeah. uh and so yeah they're customizable very, yeah <laughs> customizable. style of living <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. i have like i mean we i'm i feel like we're kind of wrapping up here but i have a few mm-hmm. quick few more yeah. questions one creative writing like did that also just going through that course and the the professors trying to free your mind of different ways of you know of seeing the world and I mean, I'm in a, it's a bit different. I'm in like a a creative personal essay class right Uh now. And like for us to truly get to the meat of what we are trying to write about, you know, it's like therapy, you're kind of like in therapy with it. Yeah. Like that, did you find that your, that that, there was an, besides the friends that you were meeting and stuff, but actually the process of learning to be a writer. Yeah. Did that have a big effect on, on you uh, sort of got, um, letting go of the faith yeah uh so not the the first year not as much because I was still so heavily indoctrinated uh and I was very much resistant to it so they were you know having us like read you know we, we had a literature seminar that first year and you know we would have to like read like a book every two weeks and stuff like that and I actually kind of like hated it because I felt like we worshiped the books too much. Like, and the mm. only book we should really be worshiping was the Bible, you know, and these books. Did they all choose have, like, the books for okay. you? Yeah. The, yeah. Our professor. So you're reading sex. Yeah. So you're re- yeah, yeah. Like we're all reading, we're reading Marcel Proust yeah. and we're reading uh, like Clarice Lispector and like all of these writers who actually like I came to like love kind of later on, especially the women writers that I was reading. Like I came to really uh, admire them and pick those books up again. But yeah, but yeah, like the book, 
books, I was just kind of like, ugh, I don't want this stuff in my mind. But I was reading it anyways, of course. And uh, actually, I had a bit of trouble that first year because I think I was uh, a little too uh, harsh and judgmental on some of the essays of my friends, of, of my fellow oh, friends that I was reading. Yeah. Uh, and I remember Your critiques must have been quite oh, interesting. <laughs> oof. I mean, I was pretty good at hiding like the fact that I was as fundamentalist as I was. But when people brought in stuff about religion or about Ooh. faith or something like that, I would use that as an opportunity to try and sway the conversation. And the professors would not let me. They would they would catch on. And I definitely got admonished like one time in particular, I remember. And I remember calling Kate and being like, this just happened. And Kate was like. Beth, this is just what it's like to be in the world. Like, this is just what it's like to be in the secular world. I'm really proud of you. Of course, she was just like, oh, my baby, I've trained her so well. You know, it's like, but like, and but it was my second year really where I really was investing more in those relationships with my friends that I began to like, yes, I think like, the stuff the, the the and I was a fiction writer as well so I was mm. so I wasn't essay writing is so very it's very different yeah, yeah it's very personal and of course now I just wrote a memoir and so I kind of right. had to like go through that on my own and I'm also taking an essay writing class this upcoming uh J- January so I'm really excited to do probably some of the work that you that you're doing now I'm like, it really hard but yeah oh god it's so it's so hard I especially when he's like what do you what is this piece about you're like mm-hmm. I don't no (laughs) and he's like well then i how can i critique it i'm like but it's through the writing through the draft and the draft Mm -hmm. and the draft it's kind of like talk therapy like you finally kind of come you discover the story it's very yeah and it's very hard to like also like outline it especially when it's real life because you're just like oh i know what it is it's like it's like how do you form it into a narrative how do you form it into a story totally and you write you know it's amazing all of us in the class we write things like you know it's because of this that it happened. And he like circles this. He's like, what is this? Yeah. What are you actually, and you're like, uh-huh. doesn't, isn't it self-explanatory? I've just wrote three paragraphs about it. He's like, no, yeah, it's yeah. not. You actually, have to be yeah. clear with uh-huh. what you're saying, yeah, but you yeah. have to then know uh-huh. what you're saying yeah. to be able to do that. And then you have to be clear with yourself. Yeah. And then you have to be vulnerable with yourself. And that's like I know. really oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. hard. <laughs> um, really hard. Okay. Two final ones. Yeah. What happened with Kate? <laughs> what happened with Kate? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I ghosted Kate. I, we, we had been on a phone plan together and then I just basically like sent her a Facebook message being like, Hey, can you give me the pin number for the phone plan? I'm going to get my own phone plan. Okay. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) But was it a bit, had you let go a lot of Kate throughout this whole process? So this is a good question. Yes. So I need to go back a little bit. So I did, uh, get to a point with Kate where, uh, I remember basically, So as I was forming these relationships with my friends at the new school, like there was one person who I got really close with, a really good friend of mine who basically like I had a crush on him and he had a little bit of a crush on me and it kind of became to be like kind of a messy relationship. And and I kind of like opened myself up to the first time to this idea of, do I want to be in a relationship with him? Maybe I want to try it out. And so like we talked about it and it didn't eventually really work. And then I was heartbroken. And I went to Kate with that. I went over to her house in New Jersey and talked to her about it. And she said to me, well, 
Now I know why you haven't told me about any of this before, because you would have known what I was going to say. And so she was super judgmental, super upset with me for for even entertaining the idea of having a relationship with a non-believer. Uh, and so but that's huge, though. Yeah, it was huge. It was it was in like, the, in the yeah. in your in that in that world. Yeah, 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 it was huge in that world, and it was like it was again, it was like a stepping stone yeah. towards coming out of it. Kate knew that. Like she also had noticed that I had started swearing. I had mm. stopped swearing when I was an evangelical, and then I kind of became began swearing again because I kind of like just looked at it from like you know it's like just an etymological standpoint I was just like what are swears anyways what is it just words that the lower class use that rich people didn't want them to use why is a swear a swear and so I was like I'm gonna start using these words because it's gonna help me convert people ultimately because it'll help me blend in further oh wow you could trick your brain to be like oh Uh this is actually like a scheme yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's what I was doing but then I began to I began to wonder then because I started like kind of falling out of my face a little bit yeah and i began to wonder was it the swears like did the swears do it and kate didn't like the fact that i was swearing so so basically i had that conversation with her which is a huge red flag to me just like i was pissed off like right. probably for one of the first times at her like because i had done something that she didn't want me to do and i wanted to do it anyways and also she didn't she wasn't there she didn't know this person she didn't know what i had just gone through i found myself feeling defiant towards her and then the one of the very last conversations i ever had with her was over the phone and we were talking, um, maybe this was maybe like six months before I left the faith. And I was finally kind of like coming to this idea that I was like, maybe, you know, people don't need to accept maybe, maybe the idea of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and savior, maybe people can do that without knowing that they've done it. Like maybe that's like, I started like really philosophizing it. And she kind of was like willing to go down that road with me on the phone, which was really weird because it's like a fundamental belief of the evangelical faith that like you're supposed to do this in this exact way. And she's, you know, had gotten married at this point. And she was like, yeah, like my husband and I have been talking about that. And we're kind of like, we've been thinking about that too. And then I said, oh yeah. So by the way, now that we're on this track, I've also been thinking maybe sex before marriage isn't that bad. And she shut me down. down. She was like, absolutely not. I can't believe you would even begin to think that that could be a thing. Sex before marriage is definitely wrong. She was like, and I was just like, wait a second. This girl was about to, she was just questioning the entire basis of the faith with me. And, but, but this sex thing is such a hang up for her. She like scolded the hell out of me. And then I began to realize, hmm. The way that she's talking to me right now is not really the way I want to be talked to by people anymore. Like, I don't want to be scolded. I'm an adult. Like, you know, and maybe I was just getting to that point where I was really getting confident in myself. Yeah. And have your own thoughts. Yeah. And have my own thoughts. And like, and in so many ways, like Kate's thoughts had been mine, you know, And, and they had been the guiding light for my thoughts. And then I got to this point where I was just like. I don't want her to be my thoughts anymore. And like, and it was so much of it had been that we were so separate. She was in New Jersey. I was living a completely different life in New York, you know? So, so much of it was that, but then like a lot of it was, was, yeah, just the fact that like I was noticing that she had this power over me that wasn't entirely healthy. And so Mm. I basically ended up, you know, uh, getting to this point where I like, kind of like flushed her out of my life and I never spoke to her again. And I, uh, and I don't ever want to speak to her again. Like I am very glad to never have a relationship with her again. Uh, and so, yeah, so kind of like put a nail in that coffin, which is like just through the ghosting, like, which is again, and, and, and I honestly would say that like, I know so much of what she did was because she loved me 
in the way, in the only way she knew how. And I guess I kind of look at that now and I'm just like, but what you did was so bad for me. Right. And even though I know your intentions were not to harm because you thought this was good at the end of the day, you did so much harm and I can't really, you know, another conversation when you leave, when leaving evangelicalism for me is what does forgiveness mean and what is the role of forgiveness? Right. And like, you know, forgiveness was just in so many ways in the evangelical world was, was licensed for people to manipulate me because if I forgave them in the church and that meant I could let them continue to have power over me. And so in a way now for me, it's kind of like, I don't like want to forgive yeah you know it's like it's like i don't know what that looks like and i don't know if that's healthy and i don't know if that's actually good yeah yeah so yeah yeah. sorry there's some knocking going on yeah it's okay i'm not sure yeah what's going on with that there's some knocking there's some drilling there's some yeah Uh uh-huh very convenient time to hang a picture i bet you some furniture is being put together that's a good point Mm mm-hmm um, and then the fine, I think the, not that this is the most important thing at all. I'm just curious. So with your husband now, yeah. was this, was this a big part of, was it a big decision to talk to him about this whole piece of your past or yeah. was it, no, I've got like, it just happened naturally throughout the, you know, dating process. It was kind of necessary. Like, I don't think that he could really know me unless he, unless he knew this, unless he knew about this happening to me. Cause again, still so many hangups, still so many things that happen. It's, it's still such a big part of my life. Not even because I necessarily want it to be, but no, just because it has to be. I think anything that is part of your life is seven years yeah, uh-huh, and as strong yeah. as it was, that doesn't go away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, quickly. Yeah. And he's had to call me out on some things, like, especially on like some of the clothes stuff. Like there's been times where I was, I remember when we first started dating within the first couple of weeks, we went out to eat and it was like 90 degrees and I was wearing a dress with leggings underneath it and a shawl. And he was like, you are sweating. He's like, you are visibly sweating. I am seeing sweat puddle up on your forehead. Can you, should you take the shawl off? You look like you're in pain. I was like, no. And he was like, why? And I was like, because I'm wearing a bra. And there is a, you know, kind of like a slit in the back of my dress and you can kind of see my bra through the top of it. And he was like, oh my God, your bra is the same color as your dress. He was like, this is ridiculous. I really like him. He sounds great. (laughs) I love it on the third date. The bra is the same color as the dress. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) We've seen a bra before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, seen a bra before. Anybody else sees the bra, who cares? It's a bra. People wear bras. Watching you suffer right now is extremely painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was exactly what was happening. Um, And so, yeah, so it's actually very, you know, it's an interesting thing. In, In some ways, it's really funny, like having him like look at, like, I'll be like, look at this passage from a like really popular evangelical book about like women and men. And he'll read it and he'll just laugh. He's like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever read before in my life because he's like he's pretty much an atheist yeah. like he grew up in like a jewish catholic home he but his parents his mom was like ah, i love catholicism i love angels and his dad's like i hate judaism and i never want to step foot near like you know a, a temple, temple again like uh and so uh he's very cynical about it all but like also at the same time like really going down that road with him of explaining like people like i know you think that you're too smart for this i know that you my dear husband of all people never happened yeah think this could never happen to you but you love me and you think i'm smart Mm. and you think i'm great 
and you all of these things you you loved me enough to like bind your life with mine through marriage now like clearly like this there's more to this than meets the eye like clearly like this is more insidious than you could ever know and clearly people are more susceptible to this than they would realize and that's why basically now like i talk about it that's why i wrote about it that's why talking to you guys right now like why i've talked to other people about it many times in the past like uh, I, you know, believe ultimately that a way I believe that evangelicalism is ultimately a common American cult. And I believe that the only way that we're going to really like take power away from it so it stops taking over our political system the way that it currently is, is if we cut off its convert pool, because mm. the more converts they get, the more children they get born into the church and get brainwashed from a very young age. Like, and so if we can like make people aware of this is what evangelicalism looks like when it comes up to you, you're not going to be able to necessarily recognize it. But these are some of those warning signs of like someone's trying to convert you like and this these are the vulnerabilities that they're going to try to latch on to like you know it's like if if i can you know do anything to make people more aware of it around them so that this what happened to me doesn't happen to them ultimately you know then it's worth talking about about, and exposing you know so thank you so much for coming on this was so interesting of course i find it fascinating yeah, i love talking to you about it you helped me learn things about it that uh, i hadn't <laughs> originally thought about you know like little little things that i connected that i hadn't done it's interesting yeah so. it's lovely hearing people's stories because you do like as a fresh perspective that you mm-hmm. can sometimes can but then also then you're sitting here you're like i don't really know what i'm talking about <laughs> um but i love learning i mean i actually to be honest i find it really hard to think I just, me personally, like that, 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 and I don't think this is what you're saying at all, but Mm -hmm. that makes them like bad people Mm -hmm. because I, I just don't want to live in a world where I think that that is like the case, which is so Mm -hmm. hard, but yet I like that scares the crap out of me. Yeah. What, you know, what's going through. And I think if you have been, if it is this idea of brainwash, like, what is then the responsibility, you know, when you've been brainwashed, sometimes there's not much you can do. You're yeah. in it. You're, you're, in you're it. believing it. And you uh-huh. you think it's for good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, how can yeah. that be bad? It's so you know? much more complicated than good and bad. And that's right. The, and, and one thing that, again, I work through with my husband a lot. He has a very black and white view of the world. And if anything, this has made me so much more gray and see things yeah. so much more gray. Like it's so much more complicated than good and bad. Yes. These people really do believe that what they're doing is good. Like, and at the same time, there has to be some understanding of social responsibility at the end of the day. Like, I believe also that like the idea that everybody else is going to hell unless they believe this, like this idea of God, whoever this God is, is actually doing some pretty bad things. And when you look at it, like at the end of the day, like you have to like look at it and like really look in the face, like what does my God actually believe? What is my God actually Mm. saying? And is that actually good? Even though the church is telling you what you think you're seeing is bad. Like what you think you're seeing is bad, but it's not. And they gaslight you into believing here's why actually this thing that seems really bad, like thinking that being LGBTQ is a sin. Here's why it's actually a good belief, you know? Mm, So it's kind of like being becoming resistant to the gaslighting and it's abuse. Like at the end of the day, it's spiritual abuse. Abuse, Like it's an abusive system. And Kate was an abused person, even though I'm having a really hard time forgiving her. She was an abused person who perpetuated that abuse upon me. And so it's like, it's not my responsibility. I think at the end of the day to forgive her, 
But at the same time, like it is my responsibility to understand the cycle of abuse that people are put through in this, like, and to be able to look at it when people come out of it and say, okay, like there is another chance, like there is more hope, like yes. there, there's hope on the other side of this and yeah. there is a good life on and the other side of this. I feel like it's like this idea of letting go of the fear Yes, that mm-hmm. has come in that, you know, this, I imagine for seven years you think you're going to go to hell if yeah. you don't believe in this mm-hmm. and then you yeah. have to let go of that like yeah it's like you've been told you're going to die one way and then yeah. you find out actually mm-hmm. maybe you won't at yeah. all and you're going to mm-hmm. be okay yeah and like gradually start to believe yeah. that as well yeah that's hard anyway i feel like we could talk about this we could talk about this hours forever. but thank you so much of course. this was wonderful of course no thank you for having and happy me. holidays oh thank you <laughs> you too happy non-christian holidays oh yeah <laughs> lol starbucks cups (laughs) our program is produced and edited by se czar and myself grace taylor in brooklyn new york with sound editing and original music by jimmy lindell each episode features designs and illustrations by nancy pappas and always a special thanks to our guests coming on and sharing their stories check out the show on instagram or on our website at ssrofelove.com